Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Under Armour recently released a Who? commercial. Who? Sit, Under Armour. Who was that? <laughs> There's a commercial. Site. I don't know what you're talking about. Who? The other guys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who Under Armour is. What are you talking about? Paul and Kevin. Who? Paul and Kevin. Oh. So you're going to be all killed. I only know Nike. That's it. Lifetime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they probably got more wins versus me than any other team if you include the playoffs. So. I think I'm, I'm trying to even the gap up a little bit. <laughs> Welcome to the Garden Report. What a game we had tonight. A stinker compared to that double overtime against the Golden State Warriors. We're going to break down the Cavs' performance offensively, talk about their defense, and talk about that stagnating Celtics offense. This is the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Yes, from the boss. I'm Jared Weiss. I am here with Julian Edlow of DraftKings and WEEI and Sam Packard of WEEI. We've got a lot to talk about today, including that cow lick on Sam's head that I just noticed. See if we can get that down. Ah, oh, there we go. Look at yeah, that. He got it. He got it. That actually worked. Nice. There we go. All right, so Keep we're going we're gonna to talk about basketball now. So two things that were kind of the major factors in this game. It was, one, the Cavaliers' relentlessness on both ends. LeBron James dominating the post when it really counted. And then the Celtics just can't hit open shots. So in the first part of this uh, Garden Report, we're going to talk about that third quarter, especially where the Cavs won 29 to 15 in that third quarter. Obviously, there were some big plays by everybody else, but it really starts with LeBron James, Julian, posting up Jay Crowder, kind of tormenting him, and then on the break off of transition, that double pump reverse slam, which we'll see in a second on the Grand Slam play of the game. Yeah, you know, LeBron didn't have an amazing game. 24 points, uh, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. He had a couple steals. But, you know, he did what he needed to do to win the game. They won by 12. It was a pretty wide margin, but not a blowout. And, you know, LeBron controlled the game exactly how he had to. He scored when he needed to. We were t- we talked before the show about all the drive and kicks that he had for corner threes. Another play that they've been running this for a while that is kind of you don't see it anywhere else is kind of that, like, fast break post up to LeBron. Well, they'll get a rebound, outlet pass. LeBron will be down there posting somebody up one-on-one. And that's either going to lead to a layup or him getting fouled or him finding a trailer for three. He just knows at this stage of his career how to do the small things to win a game, an ugly game like this one tonight, and that's what he did. I thought the Cavs did a really good job of passing from the post or driving kick, as we said, but passing to find those outside shots. And that's what really kind of killed the Celtics in the third. I think there was four 
Yeah, the Cavs hit four corner threes just kind of and I think most of them were on James Young, who's actually doing a pretty good job. He just might have been helping a little bit too much on drives. He did a good job closing out, but those threes just really killed them. And I thought Kevin Love was great tonight. He had 28 rebounds and five assists, like I said, passing from the post. And he benefited. He also knocked down some threes. Yep. And that's just something the Cavs can do. And I don't even want to imagine what the score would have been if Kyrie Irving would have been in the game instead of Delhi. Right? I mean, I'll, I'll do the all praise due to Delhi, but no praise to Delhi. <laughs> but well, LeBron, LeBron was the only one that was really ins- kind of getting in there and kind of chopping up the Celtics perimeter. But Williams made some big plays, but he wasn't a huge factor in this game. What I love are those plays when LeBron will be driving down the strong side and he'll whip a cross court pass to Kevin Love on the opposite elbow. Love will drain that shot, and Love, of course, can drive and kick probably better than Kelly Olynyk can, I would say, and pass out of it. I would tend to agree. And you know, like Cleveland, just they did a good job of collapsing in the Celtics defense, taking advantage of James Young. But you're right, he's someone that goes from the three-point line that'll run all the way under the rim, which is great hustle, but not always great basketball. Uh, Julian, do, do you think that maybe James Young uh, and really just everybody playing kind of weak side defense for the Celtics got overexposed, especially in that third quarter? Oh, for sure. I mean, the rotations were okay. They're usually pretty good. But again, you're going against LeBron James, Kevin Love, two guys that know how to execute this, you know, against the best. And the Celtics, frankly, are not the best at it. So they definitely got exposed. But I mean, while we are on the subject of James Young, just briefly, I do want to give him some props because last year at this stage, everybody thinks of him strictly as a scorer, strictly as a shooter. And now that's one of the last things he's doing when he's getting on the the floor. He had a rebound that he ripped away from Tristan Thompson tonight. You know, he comes out, he gets a few rebounds, he gets a few assists, he plays solid defense. If he can ever get that all together with the shooting, who knows if he will, but good to see him, you know, develop. I mean, he's making those defensive plays, but he did have two wide-open corner threes and two straight ch- right. uh, possessions. And you got to put the whole them game together. That's right. Get the two f- those fingers interlocking there. Yes, interlocking fingers is important. So let's go to the Grandstand play of the game. I'm sure you're familiar by now. Grandstand is the app for fans in the stands. Watch all the Celtics highlights that you want to see from the fans' point of view. Go to the App Store and download Grandstand there, or go to grandstand.me. Now, this is a special video. This one is from U.S. soccer star Juan Agudelo, who was sitting courtside tonight, right under the hoop where LeBron James slammed it. I guess it was his girl was the one that got the shot. You see a little quick clip here of LeBron James with that double pump reverse slam. Also, a kick out to, I think it's Iman Shumpert hitting a three. Uh, but, you know, LeBron James always makes a highlight play, Sam. And tonight he had that one, obviously. But he had a lot of those plays where it's him getting into transition or is posting up Jay Crowder, whether it was in the high block or even kind of getting Jay Crowder fronting, fronting him near the rim and they're able to lob but pass into him. There's two plays that I remember distinctly about. It was LeBron wanting the ball in the post. And the first time, Amir Johnson doubled. Two quick passes, Kevin Love three. The next time it was single, just LeBron on Jay, and he... Kind of just had a ridiculous left-handed floater fading away from the basket. And it's like, what are you going to do if the if you're the Celtics in that scenario? I guess you will play for the, the two points, but there's really no stopping LeBron. Even as good a defender as Jay Crowder is, he was quite physical. There was one really BS foul call orderly in the second quarter that kind of, I don't want to say changed the game, but you could hear Tommy Heinsohn yelling about it. So that was pretty entertaining. But there's really nothing you can do with LeBron in the post. And it's why he's probably one of the most dangerous players right now in the NBA. 
I mean, I could almost hear Tommy yelling physically from where I was sitting. Uh, looking at Twitter, Tommy apparently was out of his mind tonight. No, no, no. The Tommy broadcast. was the exact Tommy same was exposed. he's always been. <laughs> he's just on That's NBA right. TV tonight, so a national audience saw Tommy. Tommy was exposed nationally, so I did, and it was very enjoyable to watch on Twitter. Yeah, I actually got a lot of kind of like really aggressive and hateful tweets if I even mentioned the fact that, yeah, Tommy isn't exactly the sharpest commentator or most accurate and fair commentator in the NBA anymore. What do you mean? No comment. Bro. <laughs> no comment. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to beat each other up during the break here. Stick around for part two of the Garden Report. Stay right here on this playlist. It's coming right up on the Garden Report on CLNS Radio in Celtics blog, powered by Grandstand. Their defense was great. Yeah. Their defense was great. But we've got we've to we've challenge them better. And, and we didn't challenge them offensively enough. I thought we were really connected and really locked in defensively as a group. I did not think that was the case on offense. But certainly... They play a part in that, and um, they're, in, you know, they're a good defensive team. All right, this is a quick hit. It's me, Jared Weiss. I'm here with Julian Edlow of WEI.com and DraftKings. Sam Packard of WEI.com. We're going to quickly just talk about the stagnant offense for the Boston Celtics. Julian, what the hell happened to the Celtics tonight on offense? I mean, the bottom line is they just didn't make shots. As Brad Stevens said, the Cavaliers, you can't take anything away from them. They're a good to great defensive team. But Celtics, what they shoot? I just had it here. 28 for 87, 32.2%. They weren't even getting bad looks. You know, the Cavs did a good job limiting them. But when it comes down to it, bottom line, what could the Celtics have done to make this at least a competitive game when it came to the fourth quarter? Just make the shots. Sam, I mean, Isaiah Thomas said after the game that the Celtics got their looks and that he thought he definitely got the shots he usually hits. I think there's more to the story than that. I mean, what did the Cavaliers do defensively? I think the biggest thing the Cavs did was they really clogged the paint so the Celtics couldn't get any, any easy layups and it really forced them to make the outside shots. So they did have some good looks, but they definitely didn't get the easy baskets, so they couldn't get in any sort of rhythm. All right, well, if you're reading this on Kevin O'Connor's post, read that post below, and then stick with this playlist because the Garden Report is coming right up. We're going to go way in-depth into all that, and then all the locker room videos are after that. So let's stay tuned here for the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Coach, your team is uh, 24th in effective field goal percentage on open shots and actually last on uh, wide open shots. Is that something that concerns you moving forward? I didn't know that. Thank you for the uplifting stat. <laughs> Does it concern you then? I would, I would say that we've got to knock those down. Part two of the Garden Report here. I'm Jared. We've got Julian and Sam still here. Neither of them ditched. Uh, no bruises there on uh, Julian's face after the little fight we had there during no, the sir. break. So let's he talk fell. about the Celtics now. <laughs> let's focus on what went wrong because not much went right for them offensively tonight. The big things, at least coming from inside the locker room tonight post game, was we can't hit open shots. The Cavaliers didn't do a significant job in limiting our shot opportunities, and we need to play harder and take every possession seriously, we being the Celtics, obviously. So, Sam, because I started with you before, uh, the opportunities are certainly there as far as open shots are concerned. That's been happening all season long. They pretty much have not been hitting open shots the entire season long. And you ha we heard your stat that you asked uh, Brad Stevens yeah, about I off the top, but give us the full rundown there. All right, so on shots that are... The defenders within three feet. The Celtics are 24th in the league in effective field goal percentage. And the crazier stat, on wide open shots where the defender is six feet away, they are last in the league. So I asked Brad about that. 
and he really didn't have a response because it's not really something the Celtics can drastically improve moving forward. This is going to be a problem for them all year. And you it can't was a, shoot. You can't shoot. It was a huge problem for them in the third quarter. They went 5 for 22 and 1 for 11 from the three-point line. And they only had six points up until about three minutes left in the quarter. Then they went on a little bit of a run. But they were just god-awful. And, again, I don't really know if it's a question of effort, as Avery Bradley mentioned, or just their inability to shoot. Because I didn't think their uh, shot selection was that terrible, and I didn't think their ball movement was that terrible. They just couldn't make it for an extended period of time. And you're going to lose any game that happens. Yeah, I, I have no problem with the effort, really. You hold the Cavs to 89 points. That means that you are putting effort on at least the defensive side of the ball when it comes to offense I think that it is more you know like you said lack of shooting and lack of ability the offense is just more scattered it doesn't mean that the players aren't trying I think they're trying but you know there's only there's only so much Isaiah Thomas can dribble around and create and when your shooters aren't particularly good at shooting when he finds them not a lot is going to happen to you that was exposed tonight because the Cavs are particularly good at defense. You combine the poor shooting with the Cavaliers defense and you get 77 points on 32% shooting. So, you know, I, I think it's a pretty simple story that there's not too much to really dig into unless you're going to find guys that are better at shooting the ball. This is what's going to happen. These are, you know, high-energy, high-effort play players. On games that they can get into the paint, they're going to score. You know, when the shot's going down at the same time, that that only helps. But I, I think it's an easier—I want to say fix, but it's not fixable than people think—an easier idea of why the Celtics aren't scoring, and it just comes down to not being able to knock down shots. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics tonight—they went nine for thirty-two from deep. They went twenty-eight for eighty-seven from the field. That's, I mean, it's, it's twenty-eight it's for eighty-seven. I think the big thing you mentioned was the when they get in the paint, they couldn't score tonight. The Celtics, I mean, the Cavs have a huge team with Mozgov, Tristan Thompson. Right. The a lot Celtics, of length in the paint. They were 12 or 33 with only 24 points in the paint. And if they can't get in the paint, they're going to have to rely on their outside shooting. And, again, we're going to be benching other, this the entire season. It's other than Amir Johnson, when the Celtics do get into the paint, you know, Sullinger, David Lee, they're big guys, but they don't exactly have the length we just talked about with Mozgov and Thompson. That you know, only makes things more difficult. And David Lee actually wasn't bad tonight. He shot four he had some for eight. Nice he, baskets he, over Mozgov too. Over Mozgov, shot the highest Thompson. percentage on yeah. the team. David Lee, as terribly as he is defensively, he's good for eight points a game. You can put him in for a good five-minute stretch, and he's can make four baskets in a row. He still has that offensive ability to attack in the paint. So if Brad Stevens can somehow harness that, just that five minutes of David Lee a game, he might have some value. You know, the thing is, when the Celtics, you know, the Celtics try to get opposing defenses a switch, and they try to take advantage of height differentials like with Kelly, or they try to take advantage of quickness differentials like with Isaiah. Uh, but against the Cavaliers, even if somebody switches on you, if, if you're lucky enough to get a Delhi on a big guy, Delhi is still an absolute menace defensively. There's not really like a, a kind of a switch that you can get that gives you a huge advantage. Amon Shumper could probably cover Yao Ming if he had to for five minutes. I <laughs> and mean, that's they the can do everything. That's LeBron, because yeah. LeBron can LeBron really can guard any position, and he's the anchor of that defense, and really, he covers up a lot of mistakes, so if the Celtics are going to execute on anything. LeBron's really there just to make the right play, and it's 
one of the reasons why he's pretty good at basketball. Mm. By the way, I forgot to report this earlier. This is huge news, obviously. Uh, Iman, Iman Shumpert shaved a 90 into the back of his head, which is his logo. He calls it Logo Man, I think. Uh, it, tonight was the first night he actually did that on his actual head for a game. So I think I posted a photo of it pregame. Uh, huge news. With I'm a sorry. matching jacket yes. for the back of his He has head. a matching jacket hanging in his locker, too. Yep. Uh, but sorry I didn't report that and give that huge breaking news. It's obviously going to change any, any the NBA Any insight into what the 90 means? Was he uh, was the year that the year that he was born? He was. Yeah. Yeah. He shaved it into you his know, head. I was born in 1990. I should probably shave I a 90 was, into the back of my head. He shaved it into his head I and then got injured good. in the game. Uh, okay, I didn't even tell you guys I wanted to talk about this, but we got to address the Bill Kennedy, Rajon Rondo situation really quickly here. Okay. Uh, obviously, it was morally reprehensible on so many levels here. Uh, a lot of people are concerned about the fact that a one-game suspension seems light for calling someone a, a offensive slur that applies directly to them, to their face, especially publicly on international television since it was in Mexico. Uh, the situation continues to evolve. I wanted to just hear from you guys your thoughts on the subject. Do you think the NBA should go back and kind of reassess the situation now that Kennedy has made his sexuality public or his sexual orientation public? I mean, most likely I would say yes. I I haven't given it as much thought as I would have if I knew it was going to be a show. Sorry to surprise you with this. No, no, no. Throw throw us on the spot. I'm leaning towards yes. It should be revisited. Um, But, you know, one thing that I don't have to think about is that it's just not a good look for Rondo. Um, Dude, Rondo's beyond looks at this point. there's, There's rumors that would suggest that, you know, Doc Rivers, members of the Celtics, people around the NBA for the most part, you know, knew about uh, Bill Kennedy's sexuality, and well, uh, on a CLNS radio when it was the yeah, original right. Celtics yes, Late yes, Night yes, Show yes. podcast interview with Tim Donaghy in 2009, <laughs> which is actually now starting to make the rounds. This interview, right. Donaghy said that uh, Bill's gay, and obviously that's almost as this is I'd no. say it's probably even worse to out somebody against yeah. their will. Which so Way that's why Tim, Tim Donaghy yeah, is known as Tim Donaghy. Like, Tim Donaghy yeah. at it again. Yeah, it's um, kind of ridiculous, but yeah, you know yeah. and that. I, I just want ahead. to say one yeah. thing on the suspension. I think Bill Simmons tweeted this, and it was just that the it was only one game because the NBA's never really suspended a player before for something they've said on the court, and it kind of gets into kind of word policing. They say some really absurd things to each other. It's going to be really right. hard to kind of figure out where to draw that line. Obviously, what Rondo said is not cool in any way, but... It's how does the NBA delve into that? It's never really something they've doled out punishments for. So I think that's one of the reasons why we only saw one game. Well, I kind of would think of the situation as similar to if a white player called a black player the N-word using a hard R. That would, I think, be pretty much the equivalent scenario. I'd imagine the league would come down really significantly on that one. But it probably has happened over the years. Another thing I would say, and I I don't want people to take this the wrong way, is whether or not Rondo knew. And that's something that you can't necessarily... I mean, based, KG, something, based, based on the phrasing know. and based on everything KG, we've heard, I think it's it would no. sound Charlie like Villanueva was called right. him a cancer. Like, yeah. is that going to be a, a suspendable offense? Like, some of the things KG's reportedly said to players are some of the worst things in the world. But can we? Are we suddenly going to start suspending those players? Mm, but they're not it's, epithets necessarily. Or slurs necessarily. <laughs> Not necessarily, but the they could be draw. equally as offensive. It's true. It's I true. mean, I'm sure the things said about players' mothers, if we're going to like start going on that scale. Well, what KG said about Tim Duncan's mom, that would be <laughs> at the top of the list. So, yeah. 
You know, if, if you're going to trash talk, don't get personal beyond the point of that it's something you wouldn't ever, that wouldn't be acceptable in general society. Don't, just, you know what, Rondo, don't, and uh, if you're sensitive, if your ears are sensitive, please mute your computer right now. Don't be a fucking asshole. I mean, seriously, that was, Fair enough. that was bullshit on Rondo's part. And I, I, I think you guys have probably met Rondo. I've known Rondo for several years, not personally, but obviously I've talked to him a bunch of times. And he's he's been a dick at times. And <laughs> it's something that you accept because, one, of course, if you're a reporter talking to a player, that's something that you're going to deal with. Yep. Uh, but there's part of the whole mad genius thing where you are kind of okay with him being a, a jerk or a dick because you respect the mad genius inside of him. But there's, it's one, I mean, I've had interactions with him where he obviously went over the line, but I didn't really care too much. But this is just like, this, this is going beyond just kind of being mean to somebody. This is deliberately hurting someone based on some sort of prejudice. And Totally agree. And I, I, I think enough has come out at this point that it's pretty clear that Rondo was well aware of the fact that I Bill was gay. Say, I would say so. Yeah. All right. So, light way to end the show. Uh, obviously, chime in on what you guys think. If you want to correct anything that we said or if you have your opinion on this, please do not say anything homophobic. Please be tolerant. Jesus Christ. We've had... I talked about something political and people were calling me a terrorist apologist, which obviously I am. Go ISIS. Uh, but that was a joke. Uh, so, for Sam, for Julian, I'm Jared. This has been the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog, powered by Grandstand. Um, actually, I didn't. I wasn't able to hear the whole story because I was actually in the game and coach was drawing up the play. But I looked about the jumbotron and I seen uh, what he's been through and where he is now. And I think the doctor said he would never walk again, talk again, or something like that. I looked up there and uh, I just, I mean, right from there, it just kind of just, you know, this game is so much more than basketball. And, and also, seeing he had my shoes on, I designed those shoes for um, for kids with um, conditions where they're not able to put their own shoestrings, shoe not tie their own shoestrings. And uh, he had a pair on. Those shoestrings, I mean, those shoes that he had on are made for kids that can't tie their own shoes, and it's just one strap, and they're able to get them on with like one hand or whatever the case may be. Uh, and when I saw that, uh, <clears throat> and I saw his story, it was just like, I don't know, I feel like I was a part of him. So, you know, just showing my respect and giving my shoes. And, you know, he was well received by him. It wasn't for, it's not for you guys. It's not for the fans. It was, it was for him. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's one of our staples. We talk, we stress every single day, uh, defending at a high level and, uh, and trying to move the ball offensively. Uh, in the first half, we allowed them to get to some of their spots. Uh, wasn't as aggressive, but we still played very well. Um, they had 46 points at halftime, but in the second half, we just locked down and you know, then we started moving the ball. We just kept them off base. On the other end, was the idea to pound the paint again, like you started the game? Yeah, you know, we wanted to try to, you know, uh, you know, get the ball into the paint. You know, we I think it was one for ten at one point from the three-point line. So, you know, we want to start trying to work ourselves in, then out. You know, once we got the ball in the paint, we started uh, started crash their defense, and then we started to make our threes. LeBron, whenever you come into this building, do you just expect to play a physical game? Say it again. Whenever you come into this building, do you just expect to play a physical game against the Celtics? Uh, well, I'm always ready for whatever. You know, if it's a you know, finesse game, if it's a physical game, I'm, I'm, I'm good for whatever type of game that, that presents itself. And, uh, but we knew it was going to be that type of game tonight, you know, just coming off the playoff series that we had with them, and it's our first time seeing them, so uh, we was able to answer the call. Does that team look any different from, uh, from this point? Very well coached team, very well. Over your last three games, all the two of your field goals have moved inside the paint. What about tonight? Uh, the way they play defensively, what opens that up? Uh, well, defensively, I know uh, you know they was gonna play a lot of straight up, and you know 
uh, you know, allow Jay to kind of you know do what he needs to do defensively and try to make it tough on me. But you know, uh, just taking an approach that uh, you know I didn't want to shoot too many jumpers tonight. I think I shot three or four maybe. Um, you know, and I was well balanced. I got to my 50%, uh, and I'm happy about that. What did you guys do in the second half that allowed you to pull away like that? We defended. When you defend that like that, no matter how many points you score, you'll give yourself, you'll give yourself a chance to win. Is this the kind of game? You and Selfers didn't shake hands before the game. Have you guys done that? Well, I mean, it's whatever. Uh, you know, we was out on the floor first, so you know, whatever the game presents itself, we're ready for it. We could see up in How do you view those situations when the guy is talking? I understand. I'm able to do both. I'm I'm able to, to, to you know do stuff that has nothing to do with the game, but at the same time focus on what needs to be done. I've been in every situation uh, this game has presented itself versus so many different matchups, so many different uh, opponents. So you know, I'm, I'm able to still know what, what the real and what the main thing is, and that's just us getting the win. Kevin's game. <clears throat> Kevin was spectacular. You know, he held us that bet when they made a run in the fourth quarter. We got the ball to him on the post. He made a great up and under move. Uh, you know, the next possession down got to the free throw line. He was, uh, he was great. Did you, have, did you have any idea that you scored, you averaged more points against the Celtics than the other team? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they probably got more wins versus me than any other team if you include the playoffs. So. I think I'm, I'm trying to even the gap up a little bit. Only <laughs> <laughs> engaging is engaging in that should be something that's okay for a group to do. Are you expected? Not for a full group, for guys that can handle it. Not for a full group. We under, we need to still understand the, the, the job at hand, and that's to win a ball game, and that's to play our game. Uh, I can I can do both. Now that you're getting guys back, where do you feel like this team is at this point? Uh, we just want to continue to get better, no matter who's in the lineup. In that second quarter, Jay was going at <coughs> trash talking, and I saw, I saw you going at back on the free throw line. It seemed like you really, you know, in the physical in the post after that. Did that get you going? Uh even no, more? no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it goes without saying, but what inspired you to run over to that young boy? Um, actually, I didn't. I wasn't able to hear the whole story because I was actually in the game and coach was drawing up the play. But I looked about the jumbotron and I seen uh, what he's been through and where he is now. And I think the doctor said he would never walk again, or talk again, or something like that. I looked up there and uh, I just—I mean, right from there, it just kind of just—you know—this game is so much more than basketball. And, and also, seeing he had my shoes on. I designed those shoes for um, for kids with. Um, conditions where they're not able to put their own shoe, shoe strings, not tight on shoe strings. And uh, he had a pair on. Those shoe strings, I mean, those shoes that he had on are made for kids that can't tie their own shoes. And it's just one strap and able to get them on with like one hand or whatever the case may be. Uh, and when I saw that uh, <clears throat> and I saw his story, it was just like, I don't know, I feel like I was a part of him. So, you know, just showing my respect and getting my shoes. And, you know, he was well received by him. It wasn't for. It's not for you guys. It's not for the fans. It was, it was for him. Under Armour recently released a Who? commercial. Who? Under Armour. Who was that? <laughs> There's a commercial. Site. I don't know what you're talking about. Who? The other guys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who Under Armour is. We're talking about. Paul and Kevin. Who? Paul and Kevin. Oh, so you're going to be all I only know Nike. That's it. Lifetime. Paul and Kevin are approaching time. Can you just take a second to talk about your rivalry with that group? That was great. It's great. Like I continue to say, I probably at one point I'll write my book, they will have a chapter. Paul, Ray, Doe, Perk, KG, what they helped did for my career.
top team in the East. Does this show you guys where you kind of where you need to improve from last year? You can see we get to that point. You can say that. This is the first time we played them. Uh, well, they scored 87 points. They, they didn't play their best game either. So, for the most part, we we lost the game. We gotta we gotta know what we did wrong and 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 work on those things and be ready for tomorrow night. Brad was saying you thought you guys were just a little <laughs> stagnant too offensively. Did you see that the normal bomb wasn't used, wasn't there tonight? Um, I mean, guys just tried to make plays. They felt like they had advantage. Um, they switched a, a few few defensive assignments and guys just tried to make plays. So I mean, the ball could have been a little stagnant, but that definitely wasn't the reason we lost. Is there anything you guys need to do differently against them? Uh, stay the course. Um, we didn't play too well in the first half, but we played good enough. Third quarter is what killed us. Um, we against a good team like that, you have a bad, you have one bad quarter, it changes the game. And especially when you got a guy like LeBron James on the other team that can score and make plays for his other, for his teammates, it's tough to guard. And um, a lot of guys made some tough shots for them, and they, they, they those are daggers in the back. Since you've got here, this team on back-to-backs on the road, second night, really good. What, what do you think is going to be why you guys have how much success on uh, that? Just, we just turn the page, whether it's good or bad, win or loss, turn the page and focus on the next team. And I think we just have that, that mindset of, of we, we need this win by any means, and hopefully we can get that tomorrow. Isaiah, they, I mean, they have an aggressive offense, but do you think um, you know, holding them under 90 points. I mean, what does that say about your defense? Um, our defense is always pretty good. I mean, by the numbers, we're one of the best defensive team in the NBA, so not too worried about that. Offense wasn't there today, and and, and like I said, that third quarter killed us. Um, if we would have played a mediocre third quarter, it, we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have got down so much. Um, I thought he was really good on both ends. I mean, those those two guys, like at the end of the game, when you're trying to come back, you're trying to whittle the lead away. They can just kind of get a matchup they like, and then you know keep you at bay um, because of their talent level. And um, yeah, I thought we did a reasonable job defending. I thought our offense was really stagnant. Uh, Brad, what about their defense in the paint? It seemed like their size. Yeah, I mean their size play. is going to be a factor, and so we can't try to. You know, go through them. You know, you got to go around them. You got to create a better pace about you. And we just didn't. I, I didn't even. I felt like in the first half we didn't have much pace. Um, we didn't have much movement. We had that one stretch where we had some good cutting and some good playing from the second unit at the end of the first, early second. Uh, but other than that, I thought we were, for whatever reason, we were in mud a little bit um, on offense. I thought we tried to defend. I thought we did um, what we set out to do defensively. They had a couple nice actions and a couple of nice individual plays. Um, they hit a couple of timely threes, but you're putting so much pressure on yourself if you don't score the ball. Coach, you talked about it a moment ago, but uh, was their defense very impressive? Their defense was great. Yeah. Their defense was great, but we've got we've to we've challenge them better. And, and we didn't challenge them offensively enough. I thought we were really connected and really locked in defensively as a group. I did not think that was the case on offense. But certainly they play a part in that, and um, they're, in, you know, they're a good defensive team. Were you emotionally spent after three high-energy games? No reason to be. I mean, it's a lot of games left, so I hope not.
Coach, you talked yesterday about the James Young, R.J. Hunter, who was going to get the nod. You said you'd play that by ear. What was the reasoning behind James getting the minutes tonight? Just because R.J. hasn't played in a week and a half. Um, it's a little bit different. We'll see as time goes on. Um, I thought James did some good things. Uh, you know, but again, it may be game to game. It may be different, you know, different um, guys we want to look at depending on how the other team plays, those type of things. You mentioned a little bit about kind of going around them instead of through them. How I guess what's the best way to approach them when, when you do are you going against size like that? You gotta you gotta cut, you gotta screen, you gotta move, you gotta fly around, you gotta play with the right sense of discipline and, and knowing who you are and how you can best be effective against their size, length and athleticism. And um, you know, and, and you gotta make open jump shots. Um, that's the one thing like that you you know that that you're going to get against that size at times is you're going to have some some looks and we just didn't you know we didn't ever get into a rhythm of playing well offensively in that game we got again that small spurt at the end of the first quarter I thought we played really well um, early second and then you know I thought for the other 40 minutes we weren't very good offensively coach with about five six minutes to go you sat back here hey. About five, six minutes ago, Isaiah sat down. I think the game was still close. Was that a matchup thing more than anything? Obviously, it was three for 15, but what was it? I think it was 12 or 13 at the time. Yeah. Um, I just felt like I was going to give him a, a quick breather and see what happens. And I did feel like that, um, you know, that Evan had done a really good job, and Evan being forced to be guarded by a smaller guy wasn't a bad thing. So um, we have a game, you know, and. Sometimes you make those decisions in the middle of the game like that. Coach, your team is uh, 24th in effective field goal percentage on open shots and actually last on uh, wide open shots. Is that something that concerns you moving forward? I didn't know that. Thank you for the uplifting stat. (laughs) Does it concern you then? I I would say that we've got to knock those down. Coach, you had uh, touched upon a little while ago about strength, athleticism, those type of things. Playing a Detroit team, which has a a guy who fits fits that. Talk a little bit about that game and just what can you take from this one going forward? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to play a lot better than we did tonight um, to have a chance to win. And that's a good team on their home court. And coming off a really tough loss in a game where I thought a lot of the game they outplayed the Clippers and um, just got some unfortunate breaks at the end. But, you know, Hey, if we play like that, it's not, you know, on offense, then we're really going to struggle against anybody. I'm encouraged that we continue to guard and we, you know, played pretty well defensively the whole night. But um, but offensively, we were, you know, we just got to play better. Took the bad shot after the bad shot, so they got up, up 10, I feel like, and we never gained any traction after that point. Is it their size that... I can't hear you. Is it their size that kinds of complicates uh, I don't know. I mean, not the biggest team in the league we're going to face, but at the same time, they play hard on the, on the defensive end, and we just we got real stagnant with the ball and try to make a play one-on-one every time. So got to get back to the basics on that. What do you think causes that to happen? I don't know. I guess getting into the... Emotions of the game, guys try to go one-on-one with, the, with their guy and get caught up in the game instead of playing the way we want to play. 
How was that for you coming into the game? Because obviously you didn't get the apology that you were requesting yesterday. So how are you guys in terms of emotion yeah, in this game? Yeah, I mean, guys are ready to play. I felt like before the game, I know I was, and a couple guys talking about it before, but at the same time, we came out pretty strong. We had a good first half, and second half we had a let-up. And uh, when we had a let-up, we dug ourselves a hole, and hard to get out of it with that team offensively. Did you uh, get the apology? No. I, I, I didn't expect it. It's, I mean, it happened months ago. You know, so it's all good. We live and we, we go on. Jay, does this kind of show you guys where, where you guys need to go from here? Uh, I mean, they're the top team in our in our conference, so we got to play better basketball. I want to play against those guys, but at the same time, we got to get better at what we do. Not, not worry about what those guys do. I think it's a growing process, and I think we still, this game shows that we still have a lot to, to improve on, on, on offensive end. We needed to come out and, and play a great game, and thought defensively in the second half. And was there any exchange between you and Kelly? No. Was that the first time you've seen him since? Yeah, that was the first time. Y'all didn't speak, y'all didn't talk before the game or anything? No. The, the, de- the defense the last couple of games, particularly the second half tonight, really cranked up. What was the difference with Orlando and tonight and then especially in the second half? Uh, both times we had a great game plan. Uh, we executed. And I feel like that's what's dictating what we're doing on the offensive end, too. I mean, we're playing together. We're talking. We're communicating. And uh, on the offensive end, we're making the extra pass. And you're... Um, Seen a lot of good things. I know in the first half, I think we only had four or five assists, but you know, as the second half moved on, we played better defense. I felt like we were even transitioning into, uh, as I mentioned, offensive and things were a lot better. Yeah, I'm sorry to continue to dwell on it, but what, what was it like to be in this locker room again, considering last time we were in this locker room? Start, really started to trickle about how severe the situation was. Well, you know, time heals all wounds. So I know there's a first time coming back, and this will always be a place where um, you know, I remember, I'll remember my first playoff run in that, that fourth game uh, being particularly tough. But you know, as time goes on, you know, it'll be a, another game against a really good team. You had six, six assists against the Magic and five tonight. Is, is something different? I mean, what's, why do you think you have the highest assists in the game? Um, I don't know. I think we're just making the extra pass. Guys are, you know, whether it's you know, hammer action guys passing it out, I'm making the extra pass, the swing, swing uh, passing out of the post. Um, the guys are shooting with a lot of confidence, so um, you know, hopefully that continues uh, on our homestand here the next few games and you know, we continue to play that way. Brad said tonight he wanted to keep a brown out of the paint. That was one of his focuses. Nine of his first ten shots were in the paint. And the other night, they were all in the restricted area against the Magic. Is he attacking more, or is that just the way he goes to play? I think it's, it's he's attacking more, but also you try to tell LeBron James he's not going to get paint touches. He's going to make it a point to, to get in there. But I think, uh, especially after the uh, Orlando game, I mean, he was you know kind of putting the guys uh, in the blender down there, put them in the post, and, and getting easy buckets. So uh, I think... You know, when you play inside out, he gets his game going that way. It's it's really tough to stop when it's when it's him. Yeah.